What's up, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast, Life and Leadership with me, Justin Cabot. The mission of this podcast is to engage and equip leaders just like you to win at leadership without losing their life. I truly believe that this podcast helps one leader be better or keeps one leader from burning out or keeps one leader from quitting or giving up. It is 100% worth it. Thank you so much for tuning in to this month's episode of Life and Leadership. Uh, and, and this topic for this episode is something that I'm super passionate about. And we're going to dive in in the months to come about mission and vision and values and strategies and all those types of things. But today, uh, we're at this episode, we're going to really be talking about starting something new and the vision it takes as a leader to accomplish it. And I don't know if this person's going to be listening, uh, but my old executive pastor, Bruce Raley, said new creates excitement. And when I was on a team that, on his team, I used to hate when he said that because it just frustrated the mess out of me because like, dude, there's nothing new. I can't figure it out. I'm going to the whiteboard and doing all this crazy stuff. But new creates excitement. He say that every staff meeting with our pastors, every new creates excitement, new creates excitement. We present ideas and it'd be like just modified slightly from what we've done in the past. He said, no, no, no. New creates excitement. I used to get so mad, like so mad with that statement. But it is so true. What is new creates a lot of excitement and a lot of energy behind it. And we wanna, we're also going to talk about the vision that it takes as a leader to accomplish those new things. So uh, here with me today uh, is a good friend of mine. He's literally family. Uh, he's very close. He's also my boss. Uh, and uh, we work together very closely here at, at our local church. And uh, we serve at what is a church plan. I don't know like what the threshold is. Maybe Adam, you can explain this. Like what's the threshold if it's no longer a church plan. But anyway, uh, Adam, Adam is our guest, Adam Spurlock. Uh, and he is a church planner. Uh, he planted restoration community church about eight years ago. Uh, and so we are so glad to have you on the podcast, Adam, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great, Justin. And uh, man, thanks again for having me on uh, your first uh, your first episode, your first guest. And that whole question of church plant, I think if you were to ask like a, a guy who was in year number two at a school, he would not consider us a church plant. But man, I, I still consider restoration a church plant. It feels like just yesterday we started this thing, man. Right. I think it's probably just keep just calling us church plant. Like that's just what we're just going to be. A church plant. So we're going to be, we're going to be dead and gone in 200 years. And it's going to just say restoration church plant of 2000, right. whatever it was. So, um, but again, Adam, thank you so much for hopping on. Um, now uh, we, you, yes, you're a church planner, but I would love for you just, just in a brief time, just to really share the story because we are talking about something new, starting something new uh, and the vision it takes to accomplish it. So if you will, just in a few uh, brief moments, explain and tell the story of what it took and what happened when you started Restoration Community Church. Yeah, man. Uh, so uh, I'll be as brief as I can, but about, I don't know, I guess uh, the rumbling in my heart started, I don't know, probably nine or 10 years ago at this point. Uh, I was working for FedEx, uh, had literally just had the world's greatest job. Um, it paid well. It was flexible. I got paid to take people out to eat. Uh, I mean, it was a great job. I was on a car all day in and out of me, like in and out of sales. It was just the perfect job for someone like me while I was serving the local church, right? I was a student leader, a volunteer student leader, uh, passion for, for middle schoolers and high schoolers, uh, seeing them grow closer to the Lord. Anyway, uh, about 10 years ago, I'm standing on shortstop 
of my son's t-ball practice and I'm, I'm coaching and I'm looking around the stands in this, my hometown, Hanahan, South Carolina. And I'm looking around the stands and it was like, God, like I just had one of those moments, Justin, where I don't know if you have ever had one of those moments where it's just like, God clearly tells you something or begins to tell you something. And I began to look around the stands and I saw people who I went to school with, high school with, they lived in my neighborhood, they lived in my home city. And beyond the, the smiles and the laughs, I just saw brokenness. And I saw people who needed a chance to hear and respond to the gospel. I'm literally on a shortstop and this is all going through my head. And I remember telling God, God, you ought to start something new here in Hanahan. Like, I, I love my home church where I was. I love what I was doing. I didn't want it to be me. I just knew that God, I thought God should, should start a new work uh, here in Hanahan. And so, I don't know, uh, sooner rather than later, God began to, to show me that, that he did want to start something new. And um, as crazy as it sounds, he, he was going to call me to plant a church with my wife and, and about 10 of the families. I will say this though, Justin, uh, the very first um, year or so, uh, we were a church of four. Uh, super excited about that. Four whole people. That would be my wife, and my two children. And in the first year we grew by 25%, which is crazy because Katie had Titus. That was our, fifth, our, our third child. So it was incredible to see God's growth. But then, uh, you know, just very shortly after that, he began to give us 10 families or so who would be on mission with us. And the mission wasn't to create um, anything. Uh, it was just a mission to equip disciples who would go make other disciples of Jesus. Like, like literally it was 10 families who really just wanted other people, their neighbors their friends their coworkers to come to know Jesus. And that was really exciting for me. And, and to see what God has done with us restoration Um it's really just a testimony to God's faithfulness. Uh, Justin, even here locally, there are other church plants who are thriving, man, and they're, they're going and they've been awesome. Um, but some of them started with, I don't know, budgets of um, over $100,000 in year number one, kind of, you know, God was just, that's how God chose to work in their, in their church plant. For us at Restoration, we started out with $0. Our first gift came from a Navy officer who had been saving his tithes for like a year because uh, he didn't know where to give it or he wasn't part of a church and he happened to hear our story and he sends us a check um, for $5,000. Like that was, that was our seed money. And to see what God has done with that in terms of baptizing, I don't know, gosh, close to 200 people now at this point, uh, growing from five people to, you know, pre-COVID around 500 or so, like God is doing some great things at Restoration and it's been super exciting. Man, Adam, what an incredible story. Thank you for sharing. Now, not to puff you up at all, but literally starting a church with four people, then adding one, uh, you know, it's pretty good. You know, I mean, I guess that's a good way to uh, boost church growth if you're into that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> but when I listen to that story, uh, I kind of just break it down into four parts. Uh, break it down into calling, vision, execution, and faithfulness. Calling. At some point, uh, when you were on the shortstop, the kind of when it started, but at some point, uh, God started calling you and churning in your heart to plant this church. Then there was this vision. Uh, then you had that God gave you that he, you wanted to see something new happen in Hanahan. You wanted to see something new happen here in Charleston. Then the execution. This is where the feet hit the ground, where the rubber meets the road, where uh, you literally have to take the calling and the vision, and you've got to put some action behind it. you got to put some muscle in. And the faithfulness, um, uh, I think it's something that we miss a lot of the time, is that we're, we're pretty good at vision, and we can, we're going to talk a little bit about execution. But, man, there's hard days, as you've experienced. There's great days, yeah. as you've experienced. Um, 
but no matter if there's more great or more bad days, like you were called and you were to be faithful. And so in those four, in those four things, we're just going to, that's how we're going to break this episode up. It's just to dive in and, and talk about those, those things. And so um, I just, we're going to start with the calling. There's leaders listening in their organization. That could be a church, a small business, something they've started, large corporation. They could be an intern at a, a massive organization, whatever it is. And they feel like they're supposed to do something. Uh, they don't know what it is. Uh, they don't have any clarity on it yet, but they feel an urging of pushing me and you. If they're believers and followers of Jesus, we would say that's the Holy Spirit. But whatever it is, um, they feel a, a push to do something. Now, uh, it could be like you. You could be called out of a current context of an organization and start something completely new, not even in the same umbrella. Or it could be somebody inside the organization and they feel like they're supposed to speak up in a meeting about a change. They're supposed to propose a different uh, venture uh, inside that own organization. I want you to kind of help them process and discern the leading and calling of God. Uh, and even maybe for those that are not followers of Jesus, um, maybe even how that plays into what me and you would say uh, would sure. be a prompt or a push uh, by God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that, Justin. I do want to speak um, to everyone who's listening. And what I would just encourage you, if you are listening and, uh, you know, when it comes to following Christ, uh, you're still investigating, kicking tires, you know, whatever the case may be. Just want to encourage you to try to take what I say um, and then apply it to your certain situation while understanding that personally, I got to come from it from um, a biblical worldview, because that's, that's how way I'm leading my life as a follower of Christ. So when I say things uh, with the verbiage that I use, um, that's where I'm coming from. All right. Let me also say this is, uh, Justin, I don't have all the right answers, especially, especially to leadership, man. Um, I'll tell you, I think God has called me and gifted me to be a pastor shepherd. Um, I think he's gifted me in, in teaching and communicating everything else especially leadership. Yes, God has gifted me. Yes, he's equipped me. But I find myself having to work really, really hard at the leadership stuff. So I, I just want to put that out there right up front. Um, but when it comes to calling, all right, discerning and leading this calling, this opportunity, this this thing in my heart that I just have to do. Uh, I want to break it down into three categories. Is that okay, Justin? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So the first category um, that I want to break that down into. So you have that gnaw in your heart. You have that that's something that just won't let you sleep at night. What I would say first is that's a desire and passion, all right? A desire or passion. You got to have that, right? If you're going to start something new, if you're going to take that leap of faith, no matter what area of life you're working in, there's got to be that desire, that passion, something that you see that people need, something that you see or something that you have that that'll make people's lives better. For me, obviously, I saw a brokenness in my city. Um, I saw a need for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be uh, communicated and to be heard and to be responded to. So that was the desire and passion. And for me, I wanted to do that in a certain type of way that was a little bit different than what was currently being offered. So I, what I would say to that person who's trying to discern, you know, what's God doing in my heart? You know, what, what's this gnawing in my heart? I see this opportunity. I would say at first it has to start with that desire and passion. If you don't have that desire and passion that keeps you up at night, I would argue stay right there. Like stay right there for now. Give it some more thought, give it some more prayer, stay there. Does that make sense, Justin? Yes, yes. All right, that's the first category. Second category, I'd say, when it comes to discerning this calling, is what are you gifted at? Uh, like, what, what are you, what, how has God, how has your maker uh, wired you, gifted you? What's your personality type? 
And does that fit this passion and desire that you have? For example, Justin, let's just pretend like, you know what? I see this incredible need for a flying car. Like if we just had flying cars, man, this world would be so much more efficient. I get to where I want but I don't know anything about cars. I don't know anything about airplanes. I don't know anything about anything. So, so that's probably not what God has called me to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, if, if there's a desire and a passion and there's a giftedness and, and, and God has created me in a way that I can actually do this, then I think the final thing that has to be there is opportunity. Mm-hmm. So desire, passion, combined with giftedness, combined with opportunity, I, I think you got a calling there. Uh, for, for me, there, there was an opportunity. And that opportunity came when I went to my sending pastor at the time. And I said, Pastor Sonny, this is what I think God's doing in my heart. This is the city of Hanahan. At the time, there was like 18,000 people there. 90% of them weren't plugged into a local body of believers. I think there's opportunity. I think God has gifted me and wired me to do this. And this is the vision that he's given me. And there was my calling. Mm. Desire, passion, plus giftedness, plus opportunity might equal your calling there. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, that's really, really good. Um, and and kind of going on that same thread, uh, you know, inside the organization that we're a part of, too, uh, we would agree that there's things that God leads us to do and people ask us to do or things that come up and we want to do. Uh, and really, the buck stops with you in regards to where we're going as a church. And so how do you kind of filter out what God is actually calling you to do or what the listeners feels like God's calling them to do. They have the desire, they have the passion, they have uh, the, the giftedness, they have the opportunity. Um, but, but I mean, what is that filter of like, hey, uh, I, I, this really shouldn't be it. This is it. This is kind of where I feel like I'm supposed to be going. These things are lining up. Are there other steps that you say like, okay, I need to do these things and kind of really discern this call before I make the jump to quit my job at FedEx and the to really start a church? Like, what is that little place there? Yeah, that's a really deep question. Um, and, and I think it's uh, deep no matter who you are. Uh, so I want to speak to the follower of Christ. And I want to speak to maybe somebody who, who is still uh, kicking tires of Christianity, but super in, involved in leadership. To the follower of Christ, how do I discern this calling? What other filters do I process that through? Uh, for me, Justin, it was certainly uh, processing it through the biblical boundaries of Scripture. Uh, like, is this thing that God's called me to, number one, is it, is it biblical? Like, has he said this is a need? Is this part of what he's up to in the bigger narrative of the world? Like, or is this just Adam wanting to accomplish a dream that Adam wants? So I was trying to discern it through the lens of scripture. Uh, certainly for a follower of Christ, you know, we have to discern that through patient prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I, what, I, what I mean by that, Justin, is I was 34 years old, almost 35 when we launched Restoration. There were guys in my church planting class who were like 10 years younger than me, had on these really tight jeans and these plaid flannel shirts, man. And I was saying, man, I don't belong. But at the same time, like I was patiently just praying this through. So I'd say I was discerning it through the lens of scripture as a follower of Christ. Uh, I was discerning it through patient prayer. Um, and for those of you who are thinking about maybe doing something crazy, uh, you know, launching out in this entrepreneurship or starting something new. If you're married, let me just ask you, like, is your spouse on board? Uh, that's really important. And so I would discern it through my, my, my wife, Katie. I would say, Katie, here's what's going on. Here's what the passion is. Here's what my giftedness is. Here's an opportunity. And I was just waiting for her to get on board, which she eventually did. And then what I'd also say to everybody who's listening, no matter who you are, is lean into what others are saying. 
and I, that's really important, uh, no matter who you are. As a follower of Christ, certainly I went to other pastors and I said, hey, here's what's going on. And I would just get their feedback. Some were, were you know, I don't know. Others were like, hey, this is exactly what God's calling you to do. I remember when I was selling software, Justin, uh, I would lean into guys who were uh, executive vice presidents of sales or uh, who were directors. And I remember one time I wanted a promotion. I wanted a promotion. I wanted to go to outside sales. And I was super young at the time. I didn't have any experience. Um, and I would just go to them and say, hey, here's what I think I want to do. Here's what I think I should do. And they just said, Adam, you know what? I don't think you're wired for that. I, I think you're more wired uh, to kind of do inside sales where you're, you're kind of a, a farmer, a nurturer of current client relations. And that was really important to me because I wanted to do something bigger and better and paid more. And they were like, I don't know that you're gifted. So I would just say lean into other people. So to summarize that, Justin, I'd say for a follower of Christ, discern it through scripture, uh, discern it through patient prayer and what others are around you are saying and affirming. And that would even go for those who aren't believers. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that's really good. Really good. So you have that calling, you desire giftedness, opportunity. You've really filtered it through scripture, patient prayer. You've leaned into other people around you. Uh, now you really move into this time, you know, you, you're at, you've kind of made the decision, you and your family, like, hey, we're going to start, we're going to start this church, we're going to plant this church, and maybe the person listening there in their organization, hey, I'm going to make this jump, I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to go outside my organization, I'm going to start something completely new, uh, whatever it is, at that point, you've made the decision, now you've got to uh, kind of start moving in the vision in which God's given you. Uh, now, before I, I ask you any questions, I want to, I kind of want to, uh, define these things for us. And, and Adam, I'm going to have, there's a time for you to obviously rebuttal and totally change what I say. But as I've studied and, and listened and learned and, and from people that have been above me, I, I often think we get mission and vision completely mixed up and confused. I define mission personally as like the DNA of the organization. It is who we are. It is the essence of our being, right? Like it is, that is why we uh, exist. It is, it is literally makes up all our, our whole organization here at restoration. Our mission is to make and equip disciples of Jesus Christ that love, lead and serve. That is who we are. We're going to do that unashamedly and we're going to throw money at it. We're going to do those things. We're going to, that is who we are, right? That is the mission of our church. It's also aspirational, meaning we aspire for this to be true. But what we do know is this, we could be here for the next 200 years and Hanahan could grow, Charleston could grow, and not everybody is going to be a follower and disciple and equipped of Jesus Christ to love, lean, and serve. We just know that's not going to happen. We want it to happen, and we're going to go after it like we, we desire for it to happen, but it's aspirational. Now, a vision statement is inspirational. It pushes at the how we're going to get this done. It pushes everything that we have to accomplish this mission. A vision is also temporary, in my opinion. A mission statement never is. Uh, Michael Hyatt, if you don't know anything about him, if you're listening, he's a great leadership guy. Uh, but he wrote this book called Vision Driven Leader. And inside of that, he talks about the vision zag, where in his organization, they have a mission, but they're falling short because X or Y or Z is not happening. So what he would do is he would identify that thing and he would develop a vision for the next six to months to year. So they would zag to accomplish that little thing to push them closer to the mission. So uh, we we have vision statements and, and that pushes us to change. So you have a mission of who you are, the DNA and the vision is kind of pushing you feet on the ground, kind of what you're doing. So uh, so vision is temporary and can be adjusted and can change. A mission never does. So first, I would just like Adam from your from your seat, from where you are, 
Uh, would you agree with those definitions of mission and vision? Uh, would you add or change anything about those? Yeah, man, let me tell you, Justin, I've had so many discussions over the years about this very thing with the various leaders, uh, mission versus vision. I remember sitting around a table um, at Cracker Barrel with two guys who had their MBAs, one with an emphasis in leadership. Uh, and really, we were just all discussing the nuances of mission and vision and how, like you said, it's just a confusing topic. So let me just say right at the front, I don't have all the right answers on this, um, but I do have my opinions on, on that, especially when it comes to spiritual leadership. Uh, and especially when it comes to communicating a vision to a group of believers, uh, trying to get them to move in a certain direction. All right. So you said, I think you said, I don't, don't want to put words in your mouth, that the mission doesn't change, to which I would agree 100%. And I think about, from a biblical standpoint, Justin, the Great Commission, right? You think of the mission that Jesus gave his disciples, his marching orders, right before he went back up into heaven, right? He gave them the mission to go and make disciples. That never changes for the follower of Christ. And it should never really change for Restoration Community Church. Now, how do we envision accomplishing that? That's, that's like you said, that's the vision. Um, I think you said that is inspirational, which I would agree with 100%. How do we see ourselves accomplishing the mission? That's the vision. And I think you're right. The mission doesn't change. The vision, yes, I would argue could um, and, and should change because we don't live in a perfect world. So if I start going this direction to accomplish the mission, I realize, oh, that may not be working. Maybe the culture's changing. Maybe my method isn't working as well as it used to. Then, then you know, give me a different vision, Lord. Can I give you an example of a movie I just watched recently, Justin? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was watching, uh, it's really a classic movie. If you've never seen it, you ought to see it. It's called Black Hawk Down. It's a war movie from Somalia back in the 90s. Anyway, they had the mission. The mission was to go and to capture this city, right? That was the, the mission. And they had a vision. The vision was only to take 30 minutes. It was to be a 30-minute mission, right? But they ran into obstacle after obstacle. They ran into different enemies and different obstacles. So they had to change their vision. That vision ended up taking uh, almost two days to, to accomplish what was originally supposed to take 30 minutes. My point was the mission never changed, but how they got there did. I think that is so true when it comes to organizations, when it comes to companies, when it comes to churches. I love the Zag thing from Michael Hyatt. I think that is absolutely right. Yeah, I think you made an interesting point about the vision. You would argue that it should change. You know, probably when you started Restoration, uh, there were things that were not around that are currently around now, right? And the vision, the vision adapts. And I even think currently, like with COVID-19, right, like, we all shut down and went online and that was kind of the a vision for us to, you know, for you guys, I wasn't here there, but for, at that point, but you know, the vision of, Hey, this is how we're going to reach our people in this season. Like th this is just what we have to do. It's not what we necessarily want to do, but if you would have said, Oh, well, our vision is to engage body believers in person worship and COVID hit and you didn't change. It's not good. Like that's not, that's not okay. And so, uh, and you're probably, if that was you as a church or as an organization, you you probably are having some difficult conversations right now if your same vision went from March 2020 till currently. Like you're, there's some difficult things happening in your organization yeah. probably right now. Now, uh, a big component of vision is, is confidence. And this is where I lack all of the time. I'm a people pleaser by trade, I feel like. And uh, when somebody disagrees or something, like I have no problem, like, you know, having that banter back and forth, but then I go home and I think, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do this. Sure. So 
So how do you, how do you balance that confidence in the vision that God gave you for restoration? And what would you say to leaders that, you know, how do they kind of stay on the path and trust of that vision that they have? Man, that is a great question, brother. And, uh, I, I probably have failed at this so much. Um, at first, Justin, I probably had too much confidence in the vision and not enough confidence in the sovereignty of God or the power of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the church. Um, I probably had too much confidence in, hey, we're going to make an equipped disciples by uh, just going out and talking to that family at the ball field. And we're going to invite them to community groups or we're going to invite them to Chick-fil-A on Thursday mornings with our men's little huddle. And that was kind of the, the, the vision. And I'm oversimplifying it for the sake of time. But I was probably had too much confidence in that and not enough confidence in the sovereignty of, of God to the point where, yes, I'm a people pleaser too. At the same time, I'm stubborn, right? And so uh, you talked about the COVID-19 changing things and changing the mission, even for Restoration Community Church. I would argue one of my biggest leadership failures um, has been not being willing to zag um, soon enough or quick enough and holding on to that confidence and that vision way too much and you say well how do you have that confidence i had the confidence because the vision came from the lord for that season i, I probably was just too stubborn to see where god was zigging and zagging and i wasn't following does that make sense yeah that's good that's good yeah and i think that that answers that question of you know having that confidence and how it changes right like i think you know the the whole thing about you know god never changes he's he's always the same is 100 true it's a biblical concept but at the same time, like how Jesus ministered and engaged people is just totally different today. Changes all the time. Yeah, yes. it changes yes. all the time. And then the, that's the vision, in my opinion. The mission is not changing. We're still wanting to make and equip disciples. Right. But the way in which we do that, the vehicle that we take to get there has, has changed for sure. Yeah. So we have that calling. We have that vision. Now the execution, right? Now, in my opinion, this is the most disconnected piece for leaders. They sense, a, they sense a passion to start a new business. They sense a, a, a calling to, to do something such as start a podcast or what, whatever that may be. And they have this vision. They spend hours on a whiteboard writing stuff down. They create this vision, but then they get stuck and they can't do anything. They like, well, how do I start this? How do I do this thing? And that was my thing when, when Bruce Raley would always say new creates excitement. Like I could probably come up with new ideas, but it's like, man, how do I start? How do I do this new thing? And so uh, there was, a, there had to come a point in your story uh, where you had the, the calling, you had the vision and you just had to frankly suck it up and, and, and really start at, at some level. And so how did, how did you, or how do you, in your opinion, kind of execute on vision or on that calling? Like, how do you just take practical steps to just move forward? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Super good question. And uh, I want to, I want to be honest. I want to be humble. Um, and uh, I want to be direct when I answer this question, how do you execute a vision? I think it's important to receive that vision from the Lord. Like we already talked about something specific, something that you're passion, passionate about something that, and this is important is going to solve a problem that other people care about, no matter what, what you're doing, right. Whether you're planning a church or whether you're starting a new company, whether you're launching out, what is this vision? What, what problem is it going to solve that other people don't care about? So I got this vision. Now I have to communicate this. And I think this is leadership, Justin. I think this is leadership 101. I have to communicate this in a way that connects with people's spirit and heart mm. in a genuine way. 
Um, and some of this is giftedness. Some of this is God working in us. Some of this is just really being honest about what we were passionate about and what we're being, you know, propelled or compelled to do. I think a failure to execute might start with one of those. Did we really get a vision from the Lord uh, for those of us who are followers of Christ or a new vision that meets a genuine need? Or and this is important. Did I kind of like what I saw someone else do? And then I kind of like what I saw someone else do. And I did, I like what they benefited from that. I, that I think they were, I like the recognition they got. I, I like the, the cash that they got or the profits that they were making. And so now I want to do that thing. So maybe if we're having a hard time executing, we got to go all the way back to the beginning and ask ourselves, do we really have a passion and a vision that was new and different? Um, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> If that's there, okay, if you're like, no, no, I really got a good vision. I really got this, this, this thing that's going to meet a need that people are going to care about, but I'm still not executing. Well, did I communicate that clearly? Maybe we didn't clarify the ultimate problem that this amazing new vision or product or company is going to solve. Did, did I clearly start with the problem? Hey, there's 18,000 people who, who are kind of wandering around, not connected to a body of believers. Of those 18,000 people, there are divorces at 50% rate. There are single moms trying to make ends meet. This new church plant is going to mobilize missionary-minded believers to go love this community with the hope of the gospel. Identify a problem, cast vision with how you're going to solve that with this new work. I think communicating that vision is essential to actually executing it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, that's good. Finally, let me say this, man. Let me say this. No, then I'll be quiet. Then we, as the leaders, man, we, we got to work. Paul uses phrasing in his letters um, in scripture. He uses a phrasing co-laborers. We are laboring on your behalf. Man, this stuff is hard work. Whether you're starting a new business, whether you're starting a trucking company, a software company, whether you're starting a service company, or whether you're planning a church, it is work. Like it is sweat. It is blood. It is tears. And I'm not, those are literal. It's a literal saying, right? Um, I remember my pastor told me this and uh, I, I don't know how theologically accurate it is, but he was making this point and his point was right. If we've heard from the Lord to do something, and for those of us who are followers of Christ, if we have the same power of God inside of us, um, who wants us to accomplish his purpose, and we're not, is it because we're not working hard enough? Is it because we're not laboring? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, I hope that helps a little bit. No, that was, that was very insightful. Was this hard for you? I mean, just in general, like was the executing part hard or did you find the calling or vision harder uh, for you? Yeah, so the calling was um, an easy part for me. Um, hearing the vision in a clear way and in a way that was going to be different than what was already being done locally in our city, that was pretty hard. I think I stumbled upon the fact that maybe God has gifted me, or at least at that time, did gift me for a way to communicate naturally. Um, maybe supernaturally is the right word. I don't know, Justin. Um, but I felt like I stumbled upon, hey, I'm communicating this in a way that is touching people's hearts, that is compelling them to move onto God's agenda for what God's doing. So for me, the way I was wired was that that part of communicating wasn't very, wasn't the hardest part. Well, the hardest part was I was surprised at how hard this job would be, how hard this work would be from a physical, emotional, and spiritual standpoint. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That was super hard. Yes. Yeah, that's good. 
All right. Lastly, uh, faithfulness, um, probably the most important. Uh, I don't, I don't know how we could argue if, if it is or not, but I think so often leaders dip out in the moment where, uh, they're not getting the cash. They're not getting the, they're not getting the recognition. They're not getting the attaboys. They're not getting the pats on the back. They're, their Instagram account didn't hit a certain amount. Their, their podcast didn't get downloaded a certain amount. Uh, it's not the new thing anymore. It's not flash anymore. Uh, they don't know how to be faithful. And, and some of this might be a generational problem, right? Like uh, I won't say your age, you're more than welcome to say your age, but you know, for me being 26 and you, <laughs> you saying your, your age, you know, there's a generational gap here. Uh, I feel like I'm outside of my generation in so many ways. And that's not a prideful thing. I just, I had to grow up a different way. Sure. Um, but I think, I think just people my age are just not faithful. Like they just don't know how to do something for a long time. They don't know how to stay committed to a one relationship. They don't know how to do one thing and do it well. They're not faithful. So uh, I just wanted to kind of throw the ball to you in that question of just like, how did you remain faithful to your calling and vision? How, cause I know that you had hard days. Uh, I know even in the several months that I've been here, you've had hard days. And, and so have I. How do you encourage or how would you encourage a leader listening to just remain faithful in that? They've started this company. They've gotten the vision. They've kind of gotten off the ground, but they're hitting their first roadblocks right now. Why, yeah. why, why should they be faithful? And, and how did you kind of do that? And this, that's a great question. And it goes all the way back to what we talked about at the very beginning of, of this podcast. And that is really hearing a calling or feeling a calling, right? Uh, and so Craig Rochelle, um, who's a great leader, um, great uh, pastor, a leader of leaders, has a great podcast on this very issue, faithfulness, right? Uh, and essentially, the faithfulness starts as a follower of Christ with my faithfulness to Jesus. Now, that's important for this conversation. The reason I didn't quit is because I am confident of what Jesus has called me to do with this church plant. Um, God won't let me do anything else. Remember, we said part of that calling was something that wouldn't let me sleep at night. Like there's just this thing inside of me that if I don't do it, I, I don't, I'm not gonna be able to live with myself. Like I'm not gonna be able to sleep at night if I don't do this. I gotta go back to that and be confident in that calling. I remember there were two times specifically, Justin, um, that I wanted to quit uh, in my flesh. Uh, I wanted to quit. The, the church had stalled uh, in terms of growth. Um, it, it was probably 2015, 2016. Um, it had stalled at growth. We, we had made a, maybe a, an unwise hire. Um, there was tension amongst the leadership team, the elder team. Um, some, some lay leaders were, 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 were causing some headaches and issues, and I wasn't getting that applause anymore. Um, there was no raises coming. Uh, there was no church growth. There was no affirmation almost whatsoever. Uh, and I remember I applied for a job, Justin, that um, I, I don't, we don't have time to go into it, but I was the perfect fit for I, I no one had the, the um, experience that I had that I was applying for. And, and I made it to the whole suit and tie thing. Man. I was ready to throw in the towel. But at the end of the day, the reason I couldn't quit was because of the calling itself. And if I wasn't confident of that calling, I'd have been gone a long time ago. But I know God's doing something. I know he's called me to do it. But he didn't promise me it was going to be easy. And he didn't promise me I wasn't going to have dry seasons or even bad seasons. But he called me to this calling and he called me to be faithful. So I'm going to be faithful first to Jesus and then to the actual calling that he gave me because he didn't promise me it was going to be easy. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you kind of alluded to it, but I, I do want to ask this question. Uh, was it easy? Like I, you said, you were tempted to kind of dip out and, and, and stuff, but uh, 
why, why is it easy for people to dip out just in general? Like, why do you think, you know, young leaders listening or older leaders listening? Like, why is it easy to, to quit? Why does it, yeah. you know, why is it more difficult to stay in some, some question? Yeah. I have my opinion on this and maybe I'm off base, but, but, but I, I, I think if it's, if it's really easy for you to bow out, um, I'm not sure you had a clear calling mm-hmm. or we decided to do something because we want to be fruitful over faithful um, not either or, because both are good, but if fruitfulness became more important than faithfulness, then I can almost assure you as a leader, you're going to quit before the fruit blooms. Mm, that's really rich. It's really good. Well, uh, just want to, you know, say you got anything else that you would like to say uh, to leaders about life or just this leadership topic here, uh, you know, right before they take that leap, uh, what would you say to them? Yeah, what I would say is, is just be patient. Uh, if you're about to take that leap, um, be patient. Patiently pray, patiently think. Lean into people who are smarter than you, who are wiser than you, who have more experience than you, uh, to get that affirmation. Or maybe they give you a filter that's ultimately for your protection. That, that's what I would say is just be patient and lean into the wisdom that God has put around you. That's good. Now, each podcast, I want to kind of get the get the, the guest to share a book or article or another podcast or blog or whatever that they're listening to. So what have you been listening to? Uh, what's something that you uh, reading now or, or, you know, doing anything in regards to intake that's really impacting you currently? Man, that's a great question, Justin. And for the sake of the podcast, I do want to mention a book that has profound impact on my leadership. Uh, it's by Henry Blackaby. It's kind of an older book, but it's called Spiritual Leadership. And the reason I bring it up is because I was a leader in the secular world. I was a leader at FedEx. I led at a software company uh, that I that I worked at before. And I would just argue spiritual leadership is so much different than secular leadership. At least there's a lot of nuances. And so I just want to say, man, that book has had a profound impact. Spiritual Leadership by Henry Blackamy uh, really just talks about the differences of leadership when you're trying to lead people onto God's agenda versus leading people to get that package delivered on time. It's fascinating, fascinating book. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Well, Adam, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate you making the time, uh, putting in the effort and energy to be here. Uh, and record this with us. Uh, Leader, uh, listening, I hope you were encouraged in this episode uh, as well as I hope it pushed you to remain in the calling that you've been been given, the vision that God has given you, and to take that leap and just be faithful, uh, to execute and be faithful, right? Like I just hope in this season, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that you've just been encouraged to do those things. Uh, Thank you for listening uh, to the Life and Leadership with me, Justin Cabot, and leaders, lead well. Live boldly.